Amen. Awesome. Y'all go ahead and grab a seat. How's everybody doing? Pretty good? Hey, if you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 12. We're still kind of marching through the book of Mark. So Mark chapter 12. And we're going to be um, in verse 41 in, in just a moment. Hey, I want you to know, by the way, if you don't have a Bible and would like a Bible, like maybe you obviously you can get it on your phone, but if you would like, like a, a, a paper Bible like this, we would love um, to, to help you out with that and get you one. And so uh, I'm, I'm serious about that. So afterwards, if you're like, hey, I don't have a Bible, I'd like one, holler at me, and we would love to take care of that for you. Um, I don't know about y'all, but, but growing up, even thinking about like especially middle school and high school, um, I used to think that socially awkward moments were just like a middle school and high school thing. But every year I live, I realize it's not just a middle school and high school thing, right? Like, like you guys are in college, do you still have awkward socially or socially awkward moments? Yeah, like, hey, don't point at the person beside you, all right? Um, yeah, and I don't know about you guys, but I've decided that social, how am I saying this? Um, awkward moments, socially awkward moments are awesome as long as it's not you, right? Like, it's one of those where, like, it's one of those great moments as long as you're not the person that's, like, in the middle of the awkwardness, right? Um, man, socially awkward moments. I remember uh, when I, sometimes it's people think say, right? And this is not, like, maybe the most socially awkward thing as much as just, like, hey, bro, you shouldn't say that in public. I remember when I was a middle school pastor, um, one of our students, who is not here, so don't try to figure out who it is, but one of our students, um, we were at middle school camp or something, is at middle school camp, and uh, he came out of his room, and he said, guys, do not be surprised if I get unlimited female attention today, because I just use Axe. And I was like, don't ever say that again, bro. <laughs> like, that's so weird. Like, why are you saying that right now? Um, and yeah, an Axe is probably not going to do the trick, okay? Um, you should take a shower first. That's a good start, right? Um, I remember another kind of random middle school story. Sometimes it's like things that happen in nature, right? So uh, we, were, we had taken, it was summertime, this is, I don't know, 2012 or something like that. We had taken the middle school students on like a summer trip to Fort Worth, Arlington, Dallas, all that. And we're going to go to the zoo and go to Rangers game, all this stuff. And so at the zoo, uh, the big group of middle schoolers I got with me, and one of the kids goes, hey, over there, look, turtles. So we all run over to the turtles, and we get over to the turtles, all these, me and all these middle schoolers, and these turtles really liked each other. <laughs> like, they, they really liked each other. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. And the kid that had, like, told us to go over there was like, ew, this is awkward. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, this is, oh, what do you do right now, right? Um, sometimes it's things that, um, that people uh, do, so to speak. I was talking with, with David Maddox, uh, this probably been two years ago or so, and he was at uh, Yellow House, and he's like, there with his laptop, and he's trying to work. Let me back up for a second. There's some things that maybe are not stated laws, but things that are just kind of socially agreed upon that you shouldn't do them in public, Right? So he's sitting on his laptop, and not exaggerating, there's a couple beside him that's like making out, like in the coffee shop. And he's just like, everything within him is wanting to go, like, stop, like, this is awkward, you can't do this, right? Um, man, one time, my wife, when Lauren, which she's uh, resting up tonight, but um, she, we just got married, she moved out here, and a couple from the church said, hey, we want to take you all to dinner, which we're like, that's awesome, that's great. But we get to dinner, and no lie, the entire meal the man never, now both his hands are perfectly capable of working, but he never touched his food because she literally fed him every bite. Like, would give him his drink. It was awkward, right? Like, it was one of those, like, the whole time we're sitting there, I'm like tapping Lauren under the table, like, what is going on, right? Like, as soon as we get in the car, we're like, what was that? Like, 
please don't do that, okay? So I want to give you a second, because I feel I can see it in your eyes. Your hearts and minds are bursting with your own stories. <laughs> so I'm going to give you, I'm really, for real, I'm going to give you, a, I'm about interact, or interactions. So I'm going to give you a second to, with whoever's beside you, maybe share a socially awkward moment that you have experienced. Just go for it. Wow, there's a lot of talking. <laughs> All right, I hate, I hate to interrupt, but, but we got to keep, keep moving. If you didn't get a chance to finish your story, uh, there's always afterwards. Hopefully I didn't cut you off like right at the punchline. So sometimes it's like things that just happen in nature, like we said earlier. Uh, sometimes it's things people say, that, or pe- things people do. But do y'all know any people that like... It's not, okay, they're, very, they're totally aware of uh, so, uh, social and cultural expectations, but they just don't really care. You know what I'm talking about? So what I mean is, are like, so uh, maybe they're, they're totally socially uh, aware of things that should be said and things that shouldn't be said, things that are okay to do and things that you really shouldn't do in public, but they just like, they don't really care what people think. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know people like that? Who's just kind of like, they're just like, yeah, I don't, I'm not worried about what people think. Um, or sometimes it's a person who, uh, because they're so passionate about something, or maybe like um, they're on a mission for something, whatever that is, again, they just, they're not really worried about what the social norms are. And one of the best examples of that, and I would say world history, is yours truly, Jesus, okay? Like, he definitely, again, he's totally aware of social norms and what's uh, culturally appropriate. I mean, he made the universe, so like, he, he knows what works, right? So totally, he was totally aware of those things, but because he really wasn't worried about the approval of people. And because he like, was on a mission, he all the time was doing things that I'm sure, I, I feel like the disciples had to be like, don't do that, that's awkward, right? Like, you're killing us here, right? You're killing me, Smalls. Um, like things he would just bring up. Like when he was talking to the woman at the well and he was like, oh, that's right, you actually had five, five husbands. That's right. And like, I don't think he was being rude. He's just like being real. And I, I can imagine, like, I think it was just them two. But if anybody else had been there, they'd have been like, oh my gosh, who is this guy, right? Like he is straight up, bro. Um, he, he just, he didn't pull any punches. And I love this passage tonight, mainly because it's really not the point of the sermon, but I love it because I think it would have been awesome to be there and see Jesus do what he did. Y'all check this out with me. Mark 12, verse 41. I love this. So Jesus, sorry, I should have set this up first. So Jesus has been teaching in the temple. He's in Jerusalem. This is like, he's, he's we'll see next week, he's really essentially on his way ultimately to the cross and to the empty grave. But he's been teaching in the temple um, kind of talking down the fake religiosity of the scribes and the Pharisees and talking about what it really means to be the kingdom. And then it says, after getting done teaching, it says, verse 41, and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. So let's stop there for a second. Treasury, this is, so he's at the temple and this is a place um, where people could, would literally go and they could put in like tie, and I'm, simplifying this a little bit just for sake of time but it's a place where people go and put in their tithes and their offerings in the treasury so it says that jesus literally should put that stool over here but he literally he comes in sits down across from where people put in their offerings and it says he watched the people putting money into the offering box this is awesome all right so this, this is the equivalent this is like me on sunday morning I get down and praying for the offering. We do the offering. And then as y'all are giving, I'm like, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> like, 
Now, could you imagine that? He's, he's seriously watching people putting put in the offering. This is not, in case you're wondering, this is not culturally appropriate, even today, right? Like, certainly then and even now. Like, if, don't do that. If you're new in church, just a little heads up. Don't, like, stare at people when they're putting stuff in the offering. That's a little creepy and weird, right? Actually, I never, like, tell people what I call my sermons because it's, I just, there's no need to. But I, I titled this one, Offering Creeper. So, um, don't be an offering creeper. But that's literally, that's literally what he's doing. He's watching people put in their offerings. It says, many rich people put in large sums. And they, they should, they're rich, right? And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. All right, so again, imagine the scene. Jesus, he sits down, he's, yeah, this is good. He sits down and he's watching people put in the offering. Probably from a distance. I mean, we don't know that they know he's watching, but you know some people, they like see Jesus and where his eyes are looking. They're like, what is that boy doing, right? He's watching people put in the offering. He's watching the rich people come in. And when the rich people come to give their offering, man, they're rich. It's just, what did it say? They put in large sums, right? So when they walk by, it's like, by the way, this was, they, there was like at the treasury, there were about 13 um, trumpet-looking things. They're made out of brass. They would put their, their, again, they didn't have dollar bills, RIP America. Actually, it was pre-America. Anyway, so, um, so they didn't put in dollar bills. They put in coins, so, and the brass would make loud noise, right? So you can just imagine the rich people. They come up, everybody watches. Oh, man, that's the rich person. And Come on. That's it. Man, so people are so impressed, right? And Jesus sees the people doing that. And then, it says, and a poor, verse 42, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. The coins it's referring to here, these would have been the smallest and most insignificant coins that were circulating in that time period. Like it says, two that don't, so I've got two pennies here. So there's two coins, make a penny. And, and I, from what I've studied on this, that it's telling the truth there. But the idea is that like um, translators, when they say that make a penny, that was the closest thing they could say where it still made sense. But really the idea is that the two coins, like if you could do a direct um, transaction to the day, they didn't even quite, they wouldn't even make an American penny. So all those people, all that racket, the rich people putting in their noise. And then the, the poor widow comes in and she puts in her two coins. So you can imagine, all the, as all the rich people give their money, and Jesus is sitting there watching, you can imagine people, it, it, it happens today, right? Oh, man, they gave a bunch. Because, again, it wasn't really in secret. You know, now we can give online, or you can swipe your card, or you can te- automated text or whatever, right? Or you can secretly slip something in. But all this racket, all this buzz when the rich people put in their money, people watching them, and the poor woman, again, I can't help but wonder if anyone even paid attention to her. Like, did anyone even notice that she was there? Like, did anyone even see that she gave? 
Actually, we know that someone saw her because what was Jesus doing? <laughs> he was creeping on the offering, right? <laughs> he was watching the whole time. Look at what happens next. It says, verse 43, And he, Jesus, called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Guys, come here, come here. I want, you to, I want you to see this. I want you to learn from this. See that poor widow walking away that just put in her offering? She put in more than anyone else that contributed. You, I can't help but think that at that time the disciples were like, Jesus, you ain't very good at math, are you? <laughs> like, like in carpenter school, they need to spend some more time on math. Or right, Peter's like, Jesus, you didn't buy any medicine from that man selling stuff off the back of his camel, did you? <laughs> like, what you what you doing there, Jesus? Like, what, what do you what do you mean? What she gave is more than all that they gave. Did you? Is she like from undercover boss or something? Like, do you know something about her that we don't? Because that was like two little pennies she put in. Did you see the woman, Jesus? What do you mean that what she gave was greater than all of them? Like, really, that's a fair question, right? That, that would be a fair question. How can you say that's like me coming in here and like someone giving me a dollar and this person giving me a hundred dollars and me holding up the dollar and saying this has more value than the $100 bill, you'd be like, well, I'll take the 100 if you don't want it, right? I mean, that doesn't make sense. Why does Jesus say that what she gave is greater than what everyone else gave? Good for you, the Bible, or the answer's right here in the Bible, so we can just keep reading, right? Verse 44. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. She gave everything. She was all in. So the, the copper coins that was referring to there, a widow at that time, this, the two coins would have, really would have been like her, her day's wages. So in giving this, she, she's really giving like, she's, she's not going to eat. She's, she's giving up like what it would take to live at least for a day. And again, she just, the widow lived day to day. So she's giving up literally all she had. And it's interesting. You ever been in church and maybe they're like, the pastor says, we're going to take up a love offering for this missionary. Or you've been somewhere like a concert and talk about Compassion International and you're going to give or whatever. And um, you ever notice how if, I, let's say I've got a $20 bill in my pocket. Uh, or your college students, let's go down to 10, okay? So I got a $10, <laughs> I got a $10 bill in my pocket. I, two things can happen. I could be like, Oh gosh, I guess I got to give the whole ten dollars. That's all I got. Or I might even be like, I got ten dollars. That's ten dollars. I ain't giving that ten dollars, right? But if you had two fives, then it's easier because you're like, oh, five dollars. I'm gonna keep one for myself. It's almost like excited, right? So I have two fives. I can give one and I can keep one. What did she do? She gave both. I think that's such a cool detail of the text because she really could have been like, even if she gave half. Even if, sorry, even if she gave. One, that still would be huge for her, right? This is all she has. But she didn't just give one or half, though she technically had the option to. She gave both of the coins. And here's the deal. This was what we call a free will offering. So she wasn't going and giving this. And Sorry, the reason we know it was a free will offering was because of the amount, okay? It was just a free will offering. It wasn't a specified amount that she had to give. So this woman wasn't giving out of duty or obligation or because she technically had to tithe or whatever. No, she's giving just because she loves God and trusts God and she gave it all. So Jesus says, 
She gave more. Here's the deal. Here's why Jesus can say that. Here's the point of this passage. God places greater value on what you're giving represents than what you give. So in the sense of, does your giving represent that you are all in a wholehearted devotion, total commitment? That's what God's more concerned about than the, the, what you give, like a 20 or 100, a Benjamin, whatever, right? See, in God's economy, it's not so much about where the decimal is, but where your heart is. God's not so much concerned about how much you give. He's more concerned about how you give. Are you giving wholeheartedly with everything you have to say, God, I'm all in. I love you. You're most important to me. I want to give. I want to be part of what you're doing. I wish this passage wasn't in the Bible. Because <laughs> this convicts the mess out of me. It's not about what you give. It's what your giving represents. So here's what I want to ask. And we're going to just talk about a little bit of like, some takeaways from this. And again, like I, I've, I always try to wrestle with what I'm going to preach from God's word. But this one really I had to wrestle with. I want to ask you, as I've been asking myself... The past couple of days, or really, I guess two weeks. Does you, what you give? Does it reflect that abil- your ability to give, and does it reflect your love for God and your love for people? The, the rich people they gave a lot, and they should have given a lot, but the text seems to indicate that they could have even given more. <laughs> And let me just say this again, I'm not trying to be mean, but like, if you, if you don't give at all, then the answer is definitely no, right? Like, if like you don't give at all, then, then yeah, your giving is not reflective of what you could give or, or like your love for God or um, your love for people. Here's a couple of things I want us to, to consider from this passage. Again, I think the point is, he's concerned with, how you give, the spirit you give, not just how much you give. But here's a couple things I want us to consider. And this first one may not seem like it directly applies to you, but I promise it does now, and it especially will as you continue to graduate and get your career going and the more money you have. I wrote this down so I can say it in a non-confusing way. (laughs) Just because you're giving what some might consider a lot of money doesn't mean you're giving how God wants you to give. Just because you're giving what some might consider, man, that's very generous, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're giving in the way that God wants you to give. It said the rich people gave what? Large sums, right? Loaded, right? Making it rain on Sunday morning, right? It wasn't Sunday morning necessarily. Like, yeah, they gave large sums. But Jesus didn't call the disciples over and go, oh man, look how much they gave. He was more impressed with this little widow, right? Just because you're giving it what you might consider a lot of money, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's like the amount that God wants you to give. Maybe he wants you to give more. I'll I'll say it this way, maybe I kind of like, and again, I think you get this. Um, Because again, the, the point of that is your giving should reflect like your ability to give and your heart for God. If you as a college student gave $200 to the Harvey Relief Fund, 
can we just agree that would be incredible as a college student? I mean, some of y'all, may, like, let me rephrase that. If you as a college student, from your own money that you earned, not what your parents gave you, not, there could be, so I don't mean that mean, but just some of y'all, like some of your parents are really giving, which is awesome. Don't mean that mean. But if you, from your own like, account, so to speak, gave $200, that really would be sacrificial. You know, can we agree about that? Maybe y'all are richer than I realized. But like, um, I, that would be pretty sacrificial and pretty amazing. If, if Mark Zuckerberg, who has a net worth of about $70 billion, if he gave $20,000 to the Harvey Relief Fund, is that very sacrificial and impressive? No, not really, right? I mean, $20,000 sounds like a lot of money to us. I mean, can we just say amen to that? But when you got $70 billion, that's like, right? I mean, like, that's nothing. I've no clue. Maybe he did give millions. I've no, that's not trying to pick on Mark Zuckerberg. The point is, like, your giving should reflect your ability to give, right? And just because, like, if, if we heard, wow, someone gave $20,000, you know what, maybe $20,000 is chump change to them. And that's not our business trying to figure that out. But the point is, you can't sit in your heart and mind and say, well, I feel like I'm pretty sure I give more than so-and-so. I'm pretty sure uh, uh, I'm more generous than this person, so I must be giving what God wants me to. Y'all, your giving and God being pleased with what you give has nothing to do with what other people give. It has to do with your heart. Y'all with me? I gotta keep moving. Here's the second thing. This is where, like, this directly applies, I'm pretty sure, right? We see a perfect example from this woman in this. Just because I can only give a little doesn't mean I shouldn't give at all. Just because you can only give a little bit doesn't mean that you shouldn't give. Y'all, the woman didn't even give, like, technically a penny. If anything, the closest thing was a penny. And Jesus says, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Just, just, that was it. Just because you can't give much doesn't mean you shouldn't give anything. Y'all, I've been there. I promise it wasn't that long ago. We are so tempted to buy the lie of, well, I'm a college student. I can't give. Y'all, don't buy that lie. Or, this next one is probably the more, like, uh, deceitful thing that happens in our hearts and minds. Oh, well, I, I'm going to give just, like, when, when I have more money. It'll be easier to give when I have more money. Y'all, I want to I assure you, the more money you have, the more difficult it becomes. And l- let me explain that. Um, I was in college and seminary and all that stuff once. I, like, just to help explain, I remember, um, and literally, and David Matt's going to attest to this and tell you I'm not lying, Literally, Monday through Friday, lunch and dinner, or for breakfast, I would have a bowl of cereal. And for lunch and dinner, every day, Monday through Friday, I had uh, a cold turkey sandwich, a little bit of Sun Chips. I was all being kind of weird with health stuff. Anyways, some Sun Chips, some uh, raw carrots, and maybe a piece of fruit. Every day, Monday through Friday, lunch and dinner, which some of y'all are like, that actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> but like, that's literally what I had because I just couldn't afford anything else. And so I, I've been there where, like, we didn't have much. And now, like, man, especially my wife, like, she does really good at her job and everything. Very, we're very well taken care of. And it's funny. Actually, the, to say, I guess, clearly, the, the wealthier we've become, the more I felt my heart want to grab on to things. Because it's like, oh, well, now I could afford this because we have this much money. Y'all, if you buy the lie that it'll be easier to give when you have more money, you'll never give. <laughs> Y'all, 
get in the habit now of giving generously and sacrificially like this woman did in, in Mark 12. Your, your giving pattern, now, I really do believe this, not that it can't be changed, but generally speaking, your giving pattern now will set the course for the rest of your life and how generous you are. I really do believe that. Like, I, I was faithful in giving in college and seminary and even like maybe sometimes, I shouldn't say generous, I was just faithful in like tithing and giving to the church and every now and then different mi- uh, mission opportunities. And it's been really difficult for me to become more generous than that. I think we, my wife and I, mainly because she encourages me to, we have kind of leaned that way. But it's been really difficult. And I really hardly believe if when I didn't have much money at all, I would have given sacrificially. It'd be way easier now. Y'all with me? Don't buy the lie that you should just wait. Because you'll never do it. Next thing, got to keep moving on. And I'm going to, I got to be pretty quick with this. Um, we need, let me say this first. To do this, to give sacrificially, you're going to have to have a God-first approach to money. So what that means is, I love, um, I've heard Rick Beatenbow say this. He actually taught our middle schoolers this about five years ago. But he said, give a little, save a little, spend a little. What is the American culture, what does it say? That's right, spend a lot, don't give any, and savings, who does that, right? That's the American culture. The biblical culture is give Save, spend. You've got to spend to live, right? It's not wrong to spend and to even have nice things. But if your first priority is always spend and for yourself, you know what? You're only going to ever be able to give God your leftovers if you give him anything, right? This woman, how do we know she had a God-first approach? She quit throwing these in there. I have to keep, keep digging them out. How do we know she had a God-first approach? Because she gave everything she had to begin with. Like, probably she was not going to eat that day because she had already given everything to God. But we're not going to be able to give to God. We're not going to be able to help those in need if we're always like, well, I'm going to take care of me first. You know what I'm saying? We need to have a God-first approach. A God-first approach is one that says, I want to use my resources to help others Delight in and glorify God by having their spiritual and physical needs met. So yes, I, I need to live and it's not, it's not wrong to enjoy life and even have nice things. But I want to use my resources in such a way that I can meet the spiritual and physical needs that people have. So that they can begin to delight in Jesus and they're going to want to glorify him. And so for just a second, I think it's really important. And we're just going like, to be super honest here. Well, I'm trying to be super honest. If you're like me, I think most of us are hesitant to have a God-first approach in our finances, our resources. Um, and we're hesitant to want to, like, use our resources to meet people's spiritual and physical needs so they can delight in Jesus. Because when we talk about money in church, and I've been part of the problem, I think. When we talk about money in church, we kind of act like it's just this magical thing that happens. Here's what I mean. I'm not lying when I say this. Maybe give me some head nods if you felt like at one point you were like this. I think as a kid growing up in church, when they talked about giving to God and the offering, I legit thought there must have been like a secret elevator in the back of the church where they like took the money and just like, all right, God, here it comes, right? Like, did anybody else kind of feel that way? Or like, you're a freak, right? Some of y'all kind of, maybe maybe you had your own version, right? Um, some kind of like the, the suction things like an elf, like, ooh, it's sucky, right? Um, where it goes up towards God. Um, maybe it's, uh, that's weird. Um, so maybe, maybe you had some kind of weird thing. 
And so I, want to, I, I don't want to belabor this, but I think it's important. Um, I think if we as a church would be more clear, and that's what I'm doing this right now, and maybe more like just, yeah, just more clear about where giving goes, like the money you give goes, I think we might be more inspired to give. Are you with me? Like when you're just kind of like, well, I don't know where it goes. There's the money. I think we should trust God with it. But if, when you're not sure where it goes, it's hard to get excited about it, right? Like if it's just like, well, I have no idea where that, idea. <laughs> I have no idea where that $20 went. Like that's not exciting. But if you know where your $20 went, then you can get excited about it, right? So again, we need to give sacrificially. We need to give wholeheartedly, trusting God. But I want to take away some of your excuses from that. Does that make sense? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like literally take about two minutes to do this. I want to briefly tell you where, when you give a dollar at Southcrest, I want to break down how that goes, where, where that goes. Does that make sense? So keyword, when I say Southcrest, I'm not speaking for every church across the globe, um, but just at Southcrest. Let me say this first, because I think it's just so cool and so important. And I, one of the things I most love about Southcrest, I think it's so cool. Every building project at Southcrest, not mean like just like updating paint, but like literally building, like that huge mamma jamma, mamma jamma, is that a word? That huge building over there, the big sanctuary, that honestly, let's be real, that some people in the community were kind of like, man, should they be building that and spending their money on that huge church? Here's what's cool, which that's like another conversation, which I, anyways, here's the cool thing. Every dollar spent, put towards that building was given above and beyond people's tithes and offerings. So here's what I mean. If you just came on a Sunday morning, even now, and just put in, put in a dollar to the offering plate, not one penny of that is going to go to pay off that building. You know how that building gets paid off and how every other building in Southcrest has gotten paid off? Is giving generous people here at Southcrest have said, you know what? Yeah, I'm tithing and I'm giving my offering, but I want to give above and beyond that. I want to have a place for my grandkids to worship one day, so I'm going to write some money every month to help pay off that building. That's pretty cool. Are you all tracking what I'm saying? So again, if you're tithing at Southcrest, unless you say specifically, I want this money to go to that, it's called greater, to the greater campaign, to that building, unless you say that, your penny will never go to that building. I think that's pretty respectable. That's pretty honorable. That's pretty cool. I love that about Southcrest. Here's another cool thing about Southcrest before I get to the dollar. Um, Every year, and this is just kind of like, I'm just kind of bragging on the generous folks here. Every year, the past several years, I'm assuming it was a little less than that before because the church was smaller. But every year, the past several years, the church has given right around $200,000, again, $200,000 towards things like the International Mission Board, which is missionaries all around the globe. We'll just say it simple like that. To the North American Mission Board, missionaries all around North America sharing the gospel. To things like Hurricane Harvey, to our TV ministry. That's pretty cool. Every year, over $200,000. Again, above and beyond just the, the random person like tithing and offering. This is people saying, hey, specifically, I want to give however much money to, to, to missions around the globe. I want to give this much money to help the people down. Like as soon as the hurricane happened, Hurricane Harvey happened, the church immediately raised about $15,000 to send down there. That's super cool, right? That's awesome. Here's the other thing I want to tell you that I almost forgot. <laughs> Your dollar. There it is. When you give a dollar, if you give a dollar, 12 pennies of that dollar automatically, right off the bat, go to mission efforts. And what I mean is, it really, Southcrest doesn't even see it. I mean, like, I'm, I'm speaking and 
trying to make it clear that, I mean, it doesn't exactly happen like, we don't even see the money. But, but literally, the 12 cents of, that, of every dollar automatically goes towards um, to mission efforts, whether that's Act Now, which is one of our mission groups here at the church, um, or sorry, like mission sending agencies, you could say, um, global missions, North American missions, things like that, right off the bat. That's pretty cool, all right? Uh, 26 pennies, and hear me out on this one at first, you might go, what? 26 pennies of every dollar goes to administrative and, and business efforts. So here's what that includes. That includes our business team. And you said, what business? Man, the business team makes us look good, okay? So all the graphics that you see, all the print that you see, um, all the logo, Jackson, he's the man back there. The, the, it makes our logos and graphics and things like that. Um, videos that happen. Uh, there's all kind of infrastructure that's behind the scenes that you wouldn't really know of at a church, like, but that go into like... Um, databases as far as keeping records of church members, those sorts of things I could go on. But that's part of the part of that twenty six pennies. And also the reality is we got we do need to turn on the lights. Like you probably wouldn't you probably wouldn't have chosen this as your church if I was up here preaching in the dark. Maybe you would, I don't know. But you probably wouldn't have, right? So it pays to keep the really to like to help make ministry happen. It also pays the twenty six pennies um, we have a school here at the church, which, which is super cool, by the way. There's like, I think about, is it 400 kids now? Anybody know off the top of their head besides me? I think it's 400 kids. Um, huh? There's more than two. It's like three, it might be 300. It's definitely more than 200. But hey, you get me more humble. That's good. <laughs> um, I, I think, I really thought it was closer to 400. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyways, the point is, most of those kids, y'all, come from broken families. Not all of them, but a lot of them come from broken families. And... A lot of the families, again, not all, but a lot of the families are not involved in church somewhere, but they get to come to school here and hear about the gospel because they get to come into a building where the lights are on and it's well taken care of. Probably 26 pennies is paying our custodial staff, which they do a crazy, awesome job. And some, one, some, one person might say, well, 26 pennies of my dollar, man, that's not ministry, that's just paying the lights. Man, I don't buy that at all. You have to have a, like, a, well... In American culture, if we're going to be effective, you got to have a place to meet, right? Y'all with me? I, again, I don't think it's the most important thing, but I think those 26 pennies matter. Six, here's the last one. 62 of your pennies from a dollar go to ministry. And let me, again, because I'm all about being honest up here. 62 pennies. Some of those pennies, when I say ministry, go to just to be clear and to be honest, paying like salaries. Like, so here I am. <laughs> part, of the, part of those 62 pennies help, help pay me to eat and live and that kind of stuff, right? And I, I, some, I could totally hear this. Someone saying, well, well, man, I don't want my pennies. You need to get your own living. Oh, okay. Hey, that's cool. So what I'll do, I'll go get a, a different job where I can go, I can serve and love people there. Well, I'll go get a different job. But on, on Thursday nights, I'm not going to be able to preach because I haven't had time to prepare. And I can't meet with my, my buddy for coffee and pray with him and encourage with him. I can't meet with my other friend and talk with him about how to prepare a sermon. I can't meet with this girl and talk through um, how her, her prayer life is going. Is it you with me? Again, I'm not saying look how spiritual I am. But the point is, like, if, like ministry happens as we, as we pay some of these pastors. I feel like I'm struggling to say this because it's kind of awkward. But are you with what I'm saying? Like, it's... It's not like it's unspiritual or that word, man, that's a waste of money. No, think about this. There is a, and I'm, there's assistants like Julie who does an awesome job to help ministry happen. But just for the sake of time, we have a, off the top of my head if I remember, we have a singles pastor. We have two worship pastors. We have a preaching pastor. 
we have a, our senior pastor, I mean, we have a senior adult pastor. We have a, um, really what is a hospital pastor. We have a family ministry pastor. We have a, uh, administrative pastor. We have a middle school pastor, a high school pastor, and a university pastor. <laughs> Here's the deal. I, again, I just, I just don't have time to go into it all. I, I'll try to give you a quick glimpse. I promise you, you, have, you wouldn't believe the ministry and the encouragement and the gospel spreading that happens just from, just from those 11 guys. And well, here's what I mean by that. Not because we're, spirit, we're spiritual and we're special. No, but because we realize our job is to help equip you to go and do ministry, right? There are about 2,500 people that come to this church. Uh, sorry, 2,400 people on a Sunday morning. And man, our goal as pastors is not to like, man, look at how awesome we are. No, our job, Ephesians says, is to equip you to go and do ministry, so even if you were like, man, I don't know how I feel about that, I promise you, and ministry happened. I just got an email today from a guy, one of our pastors was um, at the hospital as a man, was literally like in his last moments of life, and he was there praying and encouraging and loving on the family. That's ministry, right? That's ministry. And by the way, I, I kind of spent a lot of time on that because I think that makes people feel awkward. But of that 62%, a lot of that, or 62 pennies, a lot of that is, is the ministry budget. That allows us to go to Houston at spring break and do, and do missions. It allows us, to, it helps us, obviously you're helping with your $25, but it helps us to go and do the fall retreat here tomorrow. It helps ministry happen. It helps Miss Pam share the gospel with little kids on Sunday mornings, right? It helps um, on Wednesday nights for Richard and to Casey to share the gospel with the students. Maybe have a free pizza night where they bring their friend and kids get to hear the gospel and get saved. Y'all, every single penny, I really believe this, I'm not just saying this, every single penny from your dollar Ultimately, it's part of kingdom work. So here's the deal. We can't use the excuse of, oh, I don't know where my money goes, and I just, I just don't know how I feel about... No, when you give to the local church, you're giving to God's work. And I think when you know why, or sorry, where your money's going, it doesn't become, it's no longer, well, why should I give? No, it turns into, why would I not want to be a part of that? Are y'all with me? Why would I not want to be part of that? And now I've gone along, so here's how I'll finish. The fourth thing under this. So it was basically just because you're giving a lot doesn't mean you're giving how God wants you to. Second thing was just because you can only give a little doesn't mean you shouldn't give any. Um, the third thing, man, I'm struggling here. Third thing was um, we need a God first approach with our money. Here's the fourth thing Jesus can call us to sacrificial giving. Why? That's what he did for us. Right? That's what he did for us. Jesus paid it all. Right? He literally gave his life. 2 Corinthians 8 9. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it real quick. 2 Corinthians 8 9. Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about giving generously, loving generously. And he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Dang, that's a good verse. (laughs) Jesus left the riches of heaven to to come and literally like ultimately be homeless on this earth. So that you could experience his riches today of his grace and mercy. And one day, literally like his riches, like it's going to be blinging up in heaven. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) He can call us to give sacrificially because that's what he did. 
And you know, our attitude should be, you know what? I want to become poor so others can become rich in Christ. God doesn't need your money. In case you didn't know, he's doing okay. <laughs> God doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. And if he has your heart, chances are he'll have some of your money, <laughs> right? Well, I, I want to challenge you. We're going we're to finish here. And we'll sing a song and be done here in a second. I want to challenge us, me included, to start giving generously and sacrificially like this woman. And you say, again, well, I man, I'm a poor college kid. I don't have anything. Don't underestimate the mighty dollar, <laughs> right? And by the way, Jesus, I'm pretty sure one day this kid had like just five loaves and two fish. And Jesus multiplied that pretty awesomely. So I'm pretty sure he can multiply your dollar in ways you don't. I'm not saying it's like some money laundering. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure he can do more than you imagine. That was weird. Uh, he can do more than you can imagine with even just a little bit. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm kind of tired. I'm again, I'm like on the top end of, of your generation. So I'm going to say our, I'm kind of tired of our generation getting a bad rap as being selfish and ungiving and ungenerous. What if this room changed that? I think, I think we could. So here's how we're going to respond. And there's no like twist here. We're going to sing in a second. I'm going to give you a second to just kind of reflect. Um, probably most of you did not come like uh, literally like ready and able to give. Meaning like I know in today's age, most of us really do that, like use debit or credit and that's about it. Um, but back in the back, just in case, I've got some, some of these buckets. Um, and... I think it'd be cool, maybe as an expression of your commitment to say, hey, I want to start giving at least at least something. I want to start pitching in at least something. I think it'd be cool if you do have like a dollar or a quarter or a penny, just at least as a representation of your heart, because again, that's what God sees, if you walk back, back there and drop something in. And as cheesy as it sounds, I'm not even kidding, maybe you want to write God an IOU. <laughs> Like, I mean, that seems ridiculous, but literally, maybe you just want to grab a pen and a little scrap of paper and just, hey, God, literally, like, I owe you. <laughs> like, I, I want to start giving sacrificially. You don't have to walk back there. I'm not going to be pulling to Jesus and watching you, okay? <laughs> By any means. You can, again, decisions don't happen in altars. They happen in hearts. Maybe you need to sit right where you're at. I don't know. But I want to challenge you to, to consider giving sacrificially. Because again, God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And where your treasure goes, there your heart goes. I'm going to pray for us uh, as David and the band come. And uh, they're going to be kind of play quietly for just a few moments. Um, and then, uh, then we'll sing. But just whenever, if and when you feel led to, to stand up and pray or to go back and put something in the bucket, an IOU or a penny or whatever... Um, I want you to feel free to do that, okay? Y'all good? And we'll just sing a little bit. I know I'm kind of over time, so we'll just we'll sing just a just a little bit. Let me pray for us. God, I'm I'm thankful that you um, love us, even though we're not always generous like you are. I'm grateful that you've been really patient with me when I've been really selfish.
And Lord, I pray that, uh, if I haven't made it clear, I pray that it would be clear to the students tonight that um, this is not as much about money as it is about our hearts. Lord, we want to be totally wholehearted, wholeheartedly committed and devoted to you. And God, I pray that if and when that's true, and as that is becoming true, Lord, that our wallets, our purses would reflect that. Lord, I know that (laughs) the college students do not have much money. Maybe they're thinking they don't have any money. Lord, I pray you would help us to find ways to give generously and sacrificially. And Lord, lastly, thank you that you gave everything. Lord, even though we really looked at Mark 12 and it was about money tonight, Lord, I pray that um, maybe someone tonight would realize that you have every right to call us to give sacrificially, even financially, because you gave your life for us. You were nailed to a cross, Lord, to rescue us, to save us. You, without a doubt, gave until it hurt, or you gave until it killed you. And so I pray that we would see your love for us and be moved by that. God, if that means that someone needs to turn to you for salvation tonight, if that means that they just need, we just need to begin to give generously, help us to respond to your grace and your love in the gospel.